Washington pulls up. Alamon, Rickery checks in. Big time block, Julie Alamon. Elderbrink goes behind her back, puts it up. Big time shot. She nailed it. Kete. Behind the back oh to Burani, what a pass! You are listening to the Women's Basketball Worldwide Podcast. That's right, folks. Welcome to the Women's Basketball Worldwide Podcast. And we're going to start off with some introductions. So without any further ado, let's start off with ladies first. Uh, it's Natalia from the block. Natalia, introduce yourself. Hi, everybody. My name is Natalia Melendez. I play basketball in Puerto Rico. Right now, I am a commentator for Women's and Men's Basketball League, the BSN. I also work with the Olympic Committee, and I do sports news on Channel 6. And I am very, very happy to be part of this project. Uh, next up, also stateside, Colin. Yeah, this the... Uh stateside but i am a canadian so i gotta get that up front uh carlin gay uh do a little bit of play-by-play for for fiba and uh general just uh nba coverage over at nba global and i'm here trapped in my apartment here in charlotte north carolina don't mention the c word when i was growing up the c word meant something totally different but we're not mentioning the c word just yet, so <laughs> let's, let's not get into that. Um, my name, I'm Paul Nilsson, um, women's basketball warrior, love the women's uh, basketball family worldwide, and that's uh, one of the reasons why we're here. But I think we need to get this out of the way. The first podcast, we've entitled it um, Kia Nurse for MVP, so I'll leave it to <laughs> Colin and Talia to uh, explain why it's called that. Um, and maybe also explain explain the fact that we didn't really know each other until what a month ago maybe. Um, and even though we were in Ostend in Belgium for the FIBA Women's Olympic qualifiers, we didn't actually get down to even discussing women's basketball in any detail until uh, very early in the morning. So I'll let you two guys kind of tell the story. Yeah, I, I was going to say. I was going to say we we didn't know we didn't get a chance to really uh meet each other really until that car ride. I mean, we had we exchanged some pleasantries just as, you know, the FIBA family gets together, everyone kind of knows each other, but it it was such a busy 5 days that we really didn't get to get to know each other much up until uh that wonderful car ride and and you you you, you made mention to uh Kia Nurse for MVP. I don't know if Kia has been instrumental and influential in a lot of things and she will be for the rest of her life as just a pioneer. I don't Colin, know. Colin, Go ahead. Colin, 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 Colin. Stop, 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 stop. <laughs> we, can, we can give out the Kia Nurse fan club details towards the end. Um you know, let's let's not go into the Kiana's number one fan thing. Just just stick to the story. Stick to the story. I, I just have to say that I don't know if she knows that she is in as influential as she actually is. Because uh, if it wasn't for her, we probably would have had the quietest car ride, uh, hour long, hour and a half long, actually, car ride from the hotel in Ostan to the airport in Brussels. Uh, when we all departed that morning after the women's qualifier, which was, by the way, uh, a terrific qualifier in each each and every single city. I'm sure we're going to get to that. But for us specifically, um, the debate rose in the car whether or not 
uh, Kia should have made the All-Star 5. And I, and I only call her out by name because she was one of the best players on the team that went undefeated. And that debate started from the, uh, the front door of the hotel all the way through security of the, uh, of the airport. And here we are today. Here we are today. Natalia? That right. It was a fun ride. Everybody there have a lot of basketball knowledge, but we are all coming from a different background. I think I was mentioning, Carlin, how I thought that it was unfair that Kia wasn't in the all-star team. You know, she was the backbone of this Canadian team, playing for different positions and, and taking charge when it counts the most. And I know many people think that um, her numbers were not that impressive, but guys, at the end of the day, Canada finished Three and zero. And that was because they have a Kia nurse in their team. <laughs> Let's just clear some things up here. Kia nurse is a great player. Watched uh, uh, actually in the UK here, I was covering uh, the FIBA Americas, which obviously you guys know pretty well, when she played there a few years ago. So that meant getting up at three in the morning or four in the morning, whatever it was. Always happy to do that for wins. Basketball, watch Kia. You know, make that uh, debut with the senior team at a major championship. Love Kia, um, really do. But, and here's my problem. When you're choosing an all-star five, in my opinion, yes, obviously, I think that um, the status of certain players comes into it when it's a close call. But the way that, and Kia, great leader, Canada had a fantastic tournament, really, really respect what they've done. I spoke to Kia after the game, I wrote a piece about her, etc., etc. Stop but trying to soften uh, the blow, just get to the, just get to the blow. Stop trying to soften the blow. Just wait for it. So, basically, <laughs> um, yes, <laughs> I take on board absolutely everything that you guys were saying, and I'm not arguing with that, but on the evidence, on the facts, and I just want to get this right, so I'm just going into the tournament website. I'm just clicking on Canada, and I'm just going to look at something called shooting percentages. Are you ready? Are you ready, guys? 13 of 50. I, 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 presume, I'm, I'm, I presume that I'm going to be breaking up and you can't quite hear me, so I'll just say it again. 13 of 50. So that's quick maths. 37 shots missed in three games. And you wanted her in the All-Star 5? She's a great player. Canada did win. I can't argue with that. That is a fact. That is a fact. And and I will say that I think Keanu's will get many, many, many more personal accolades and she fully deserves it but I, I would not give my own mother MVP or an all-star five place with 13 out of 50 shooting I rest my case and away we go should we get on to something else I just want to close and say this this is less about <laughs> this is less about Kia specifically and more about the fact that Canada went there went undefeated and had the least amount of all-stars on the all-star five you could have put any other Canadian player to add along Natalie Ochanwa if you weren't going to give Natalie Ochanwa the MVP which by the way she absolutely deserves she was incredible I, I understand giving it to uh to great Emma Messamin that was you know I have no argument there 
But Natalia Chanwa was far and away one of the best players that were there that weekend, and her team went undefeated. So if you're going to slide her with the MVP, the very least you can do, the very least you can do is add another All-Star 5. And as Natalia said, you can name off all the shooting stats you want. The one stat that matters more than anything at the end of the day is 3-0. and oh. I agree completely. 3-0. and oh. I, I agree completely. And I, I would have been happy with uh, Chama. I absolutely love her game. I'm so absolutely gutted that she's had to leave EuroLeague women. Obviously, Corona. Oh, 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 no. I've just said the C word. Sorry. I was warning you guys not to say it. And I was the first to say it. She's, so she, she left Bosch. Uh, didn't didn't play obviously in Euroleague women in the the first playoff game, but yeah, I mean, Achanwa, what a great player! And let's just stick with Canada for a moment, if you don't mind, guys. We I think um, during that bus ride, we then got on to Canada in general, um, and I know that that really got you fired up, Colin, for obviously for obvious reasons. Um, we spoke about lots of things to do with Canada, and we might as well, I think, uh, get straight into the guts of that. So. Tell me now, if Tokyo goes ahead, what is the... I'm not going to say the aim because it's obvious to say, well, we've got to get in the top three or whatever it is. What is the minimum requirement for Canada in Tokyo? I don't think I'm speaking out of turn in saying this, and I've, I've, I've heard people say it around the program, and I've heard actually some of the girls say it. Uh, standing on a podium, no question about it. This is going to be the third Olympics for a lot of them that are – a couple of them that are on a team. This is probably the best uh, you know, collection of talent that they've had when you talk about every stage, athleticism, uh, the ability to score, great lockdown defenders across the board. Um and, and superstars, and you have game-breaking type players on the roster, this is a team that is primed to not just show up at the Olympic Games, but compete and medal. That is the goal. I don't think I'm adding pressure onto them, more pressure than they're putting on themselves heading into a tournament if we do have it uh, in, in Tokyo 2020. So uh, that is the minimum requirement. That's the the, the minimum requirement is a bronze medal. You know, and that's, that's what it is now. And... That is that says a lot about the growth of just the program over the last, I guess you could call it, twelve years from way back in London uh, when you know they were just happy to be there, and now you know being there is just you know ticking the box. Now it's time to go out and 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 win, and you'd be disappointed uh, if if they don't stand on the podium. Talia, you've seen obviously you were there in Ostend, you saw them go. Three and zero, but you obviously, you know, done work in the America seen them more than just that. What what's your opinion when you when you look at the kind of global footprint of women's basketball at the minute, where they should be standing and what they should be aiming for in Tokyo? Canada is a great team. I I think Lisa have done a terrific job. This team is very, very strong in both ends of the court and I also love, love their long rotations and how everybody accepts that nobody in this team is playing 40 minutes. It's, it's all about teamwork. I think I mentioned the fact that uh, for the Olympics, they will probably need Shea Coley. The only thing that I, I think they can get better at, it's playing a little faster, especially pushing the ball um, down the floor and finishing in because they are a very good half-court team. Don't get me wrong. I, Maya Langlois is it's brilliant point guard. I love, love her, but she's been hurt, and, and it's no secret. Is she going to be able to keep the pace of these Olympic point guards that are going to be in Tokyo? 
I don't know. Shea also did a great uh, job, but I think they do need a third point guard in order to be able to to make it to the medal round. Yeah, I mean that that would be my uh, that would be kind of my takeaway. Would be I think I mentioned that as well. That um, all joking aside about about Kia, I mean she is obviously a top draw, you know, global player, um, and maybe that that backcourt depth might be the Achilles heel. Um, that costs them, you know. She had a slight injury, or got into foul trouble, or you know, it's. Um, I think that the, the the wings in the front court to me are very much machine like, so solid, so competitive, so hard to break down, so consistent. Um, but yeah, I mean, maybe that back court uh, is a bit of a bit of a problem. Who who do you see uh, coming through, Colin, for the back court? To maybe if it's not this year, but for future tournaments, the kind of um, fill that back court. I know Shea Collie's played a few games. She wasn't in our stand. Yeah, Shay's Shay's incredible. She's uh, awesome when healthy. I I think honestly, and I agree with you guys. Maybe that's a a I don't want to. I guess I could call it a weak point of the team. But that when you're when you're looking at that specifically being a quote unquote weak point of the team, that's a, that's a it, it's a it's a small small point uh in in a, in a bigger picture like they they're really good across the board everywhere else so if we're if we're that's the level that we've gotten to now with this national team it's it's we're able to look and and focus in on one position on the team where you're saying that maybe it's not world class and maybe it isn't we'll we'll find out if we do ever do have the olympic games but um there the talent that is you know, within Canada, we didn't all see it in Ostend, and it's going to be a battle just to make that team. A lot of the girls that were in Ostend playing on a team may not be picked for the Olympic squad. That's how deep and, and talent-rich the team is. So uh, that is maybe the backcourt, you can say, off-guard, maybe off-guard depth or, or even just point guard, someone may be able to just uh, carry that load and, and, and give maybe girls like Kia a break uh, of running the offense. That could be a point of contention, and that might be a downfall for them. But even saying that, they still have enough talent to stand on a podium. They still have enough talent to get it done. Uh, and and I, and I have all the confidence in the world in, in, in Lisa Tomitis and her coaching staff in picking you know, 12 women that are going to be able to go out there and, and represent and, and, and do the job. Lisa's uh, actually just coming off a, uh, a, a university championship in Canada where she was able to to get Saskatchewan over the hump and 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 win another national title, uh, so she's she's been winning a lot over the last couple of years, and uh, it it it's it it's all so all roads are leading to this Olympic uh, medal, uh, and if she's able to get that done, I think it will silence a lot of uh, you know critics around the program and just open the eyes to the rest of the nation that this team has been really good for the last three or four years. Yeah, and I mean, I think. Probably when you look at this um, this Olympics, if it does go ahead, I mean, you know, I wrote something at FIBA a few weeks ago to say it's, I mean, it genuinely does astonish me that you look at six or seven teams, you could put the width of a cigarette paper between them. I mean, you know, you wouldn't want to part with any spare change on, you know, kind of betting who would come out on top in any of those ties. I think if, if there's one thing that will happen at the Olympic Games, I think, more than anything, it's going to come down to those absolute finest details. I mean, I would say there's probably six, seven teams. I would put almost it uh, kind of 50-50 in every game they play. And to be, um, yeah. 
to be honest with you, we we were lucky enough then. We probably saw three of those teams. What we we're talking about Canada at the moment, but Belgium is a really good team that should medal. And Japan, being the host nation, they're they're just as good a chance as anybody. You know, they they got the automatic qualifier, but make no mistake about it, they would have qualified it without that. Uh, they are they're that good, and they play such a different style that uh, in a tournament like that, when you're only seeing teams once, maybe twice. It's tough to prepare for because they're they're just throwing a, a, a true curveball at you with the way that they play. And then Belgium just has you talk about a little bit of holes. They, they have the experience. They have young players. They have a point guard. They can get get going. Uh, and and then they have an absolute superstar, one of the best players in the world, if not the best player in the world, going today in MMS. So that's <laughs> that's a, that's another team that that you very well should be there. And even though it's their first Olympic Games. They should be going there with the mentality that, hey, you know, we showed well at the World Cup. Yes, it's our first Olympic Games, but we're just as good as the traditional powers around the world. Yeah, I'm going to go to you, Natalia. I've just pulled up the article that I wrote for Feedback, actually. Um, not, not that the article is more amazing, but it mentions the word amazing in the, um, in, in the headline. Uh, Ten of 12 nations can battle to make the Olympic final. Okay, maybe some people justifiably would say that that that's stretching it. But let let me just read out these nations and and see if you can in your mind, Natalia. I'm gonna go back to Colin. How much difference you think the, there is between Australia, Australia, Belgium, Canada, China, France, Japan, um, Spain? It's 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 just it's mind blowing. You know what? For the first time, I have no idea who's winning. Uh, women's basketball is just, it's growing so fast and it's getting so good. And, and the fact that many of these girls no longer see the WNBA or the EuroLeague as an impossible achievement, it gives them confidence. And, and not to sound disrespectful, but they are no longer afraid of other nations. They know they can compete. And, and at the end of the day, I think uh, the team that have everybody healthy and available will have advantage but but it's going to be very very close and two of the teams that i said couldn't get to the to the final um one of them korea and secondly uh, i'm afraid to say it um puerto rico but i mean the fact the, the fact that you guys got there was just i mean t- Tell us, you, you, you were telling me about what it was like um, in Puerto Rico, the reaction. Do you want to tell all the people who are listening worldwide what, what that moment was like when they beat Brazil? Puerto Rico making it to the Olympic, it's, it's been one of the greatest moments of sports here in the island. Jerry Batista, the coach, he knew that the, the first game was against Brazil, which beat Puerto Rico the last two times, comfortable, and he knew they needed to prepare for them and you know because at the end of the day they also had to play australia and france and i think we are very aware that these two countries are two steps ahead of, of puerto rico but going back to that brazil games las boricuas won and and the island just went crazy the press the tv shows politicians you know how it is uh, these girls right now here are stars. You can you can see them on billboards. It's been amazing. But you know what? The best part of everything is that that classification to Tokyo translate into money in action. Many companies made the commitment of helping the girls to get ready to Tokyo. And at the end of the day, that's what you wanted. Uh, from June 5th, I think, until July the 10th, if coronavirus allow it, 
the Puerto Rico national team, they will be traveling to, to the United States, to Canada, to Spain, and to Belgium to have scrimmages and, and to be as, as prepared as, as they can be. It's been amazing for not only women's basketball, but women's sports here in the island. Now it's time for the jaw dropper. So, so many people tell me that women's basketball needs rule changes to take it forward. I don't think we can mess with the equipment. I know in the past we've had people who've talked about ridiculous ideas like lowering the rims and everything else, but I think that would kill grassroots development. I mean, it's just nonsense. But if we take on board that a simple rule change might be able to take women's hoops forward, what about this? Three or even four points for a dunk. Not not a fan. <laughs> not a fan. Not a fan of that. That feels like that feels like I, I'm I'm watching an arcade game, an NBA jam game. I don't want more separation between the two games and and that just takes away from the fundamental aspect of of what basketball is and and um and to be honest with you we're not far from from seeing a ton of dunks when you when do you get to the point where uh you know 10 years from now when we're seeing dunks every time you're just giving up four points all the time now like that's 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 you got to think about I, i understand right now we don't see a ton but 10 years from now it, that's likely uh the way that athletes are are sort of developing so um, I, I, I just don't feel like that is going to keep the integrity of the game, but I, and, and any of the lowering of the rim, like that, let, let's stop that uh, as well as a, as a collective, uh, sports community, anyone that says anything about lowering of the rim, uh, I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, just to play devil's advocate, um, I've been told for so many years, I mean, what you have to remember, I think is that, you know, when, uh, Liz Cambridge, did the dunk, it was in London, it was seven years ago. I was told everyone was going to dunk. Um, so many times I go on social media and I see women who dunk in practice but maybe don't think it's the right thing to dunk in games. Um, and, you know, maybe okay, four points, kind of saying it for effect. But if it if a, a three-pointer is, a you know, from the perimeter is a, is a real, real key to the women's game, if it was three points for a dunk, and that encouraged more um, more players to dunk, then surely there would be more to enjoy as a fan, and it would give, you know, again, I am just playing devil's advocate, it would give more um, incentive for players who do this in practice to actually go ahead and do it in games. I get that. I get that. But I, I just feel like that's so, it's just so far removed from, from what the game is about. Like, I, maybe... What do we the the accomplishment here is trying to bring more excitement to the game? I don't know that that is a singular thing that could change the game's excitement. I think just speeding up the tempo of the game will make the game more exciting. And we see a team like Japan doing that with the rules that we have now. And if imagine if everyone played the the, the Japanese style of basketball and 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 uh, you know and maybe not as reckless as launching threes every time. And I don't want to call it reckless because it works for them, but launching threes every time down the court. Maybe that doesn't work for every team, but just taking more threes and being able to to do that and play the more numbers game that we're starting to see at, at uh, you know in the NBA and all these other levels of basketball, maybe that works. 
I, I, I agree with Natalia. I, I don't, I don't really feel like we need to add four points for, for, for every dunk. But I get, I get, I get, I get you trying to try something. It's, it's a, it's innovative. We're just, we're just telling you that you're wrong. That's all. This makes me think <laughs> of the time that Gino Aurima, I think it was in 2012, was talking about lowering the rims. Most of the girls thought that it was offensive, and I think I did at that time. Uh, also, uh, this idea of counting the dunks three to four points can bring a different aspect to the game. But I think the girls just want to play the same basketball that the boys do, not better, not worse. They are comfortable with the rules uh, right now, but uh, it's something we could see, you know, happening in, in the future because basketball as life, you know, continue to, to evolve. So I don't think if that ever happens, the girls are going to be happy at the beginning, but they will eventually adjust. And, you know, I don't agree, but I do think that it will bring a whole different aspect to the game. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think as we, I think as we explore ideas, um, and I, I have to say, I would hate it, but I just thought it was an interesting concept. I mean, okay, as I said, four points maybe too much, but you know, if it was the same as a perimeter score, then you know, okay, I could start looking because I think whatever it is that they try to change the game, then I think it has to be only a rule change, nothing to do with with the equipment. And to be fair, I have always advocated um, shooting is the lifeblood of the women's game. So what you say, Colin, about maybe if there was to be a, a rule change, it might be a shorter shot clock for the women's game. Um, I, I wouldn't be against that uh, as long as it didn't make it too street ball. Um, because my biggest concern, though, is that definitely the the death of the shooter in women's basketball and especially youth basketball, um, it almost brings me to tears. I've written about it extensively. Um, you know, so many teams shooting in the twenty percentages. Um, you know, it, it, it's amazing. But that, that that's for another podcast. Push the other way. Nice feed. A look away to miss him. Howa, what a crossover, breaking ankles and laying it in. Messamin puts it on the deck, spinning in the lane. What a block by Lindstein, says no. Cheetah, Hayashi relocates and knocks down a three. She is red hot. Don't touch her, you might burn yourself. Alamon, come on. They want to get it into Emma Messamin, they do. Emma Messamin goes to work. will do it. Belgium wins the game. 92-84, your final score. Where would that rank for you both in terms of um, being a neutral and watching a women's basketball game at the top level? I can go first. Yeah, that was uh, – that was up there for me. Forget about just women's basketball. I think that was as thrilling of a game as I've ever called, period. Um you know, it, it, it had everything you wanted. It had the emotion of, you know, stakes on the line for one team and that team being the home team. So that's hard to replicate in any one game. Then you had one of the biggest superstars in the world playing in the game. Uh, then you had a team that just is just playing this style of basketball that not everyone can play right now or, or not everyone has, has the guts to go out there and try and play. Uh, and it wasn't working for them for a large majority of that game. 
And then when it started working, you realize, well, this is why they play that way uh, because they're never out of a game. Th- that game, that game was over. Then it wasn't. It was on life support for for a lot of time, and then you know they they were revived and and got a second life. Japan did, and uh, one player gets hot, red hot, and starts knocking down threes, and she's taking shots that. Uh, I mean, you wouldn't even dream about taking w- with you know in, in your wildest dreams with the greenest of lights and knocking them down and the confidence that uh, Thomas Hovis has in his team to take those type of shots and know that that's the style of flat basketball that they want to play and know that uh, you know that's a system that they put in place and trust it was incredible to see. Uh, you know they lost, but I think in that loss. I learned more about Japan and their chances of of you know playing well at home and meddling at the Olympic Games more than than had they won that game, had they come back and actually won that game because they were up against it. The crowd was not you know no not a single person in that building other than the neutral fans wanted to see them win. Uh, probably in that town, other than neutral fans wanted to see them win, and and they were able to come away with the victory. And had that been in Tokyo, could you imagine how loud that gym would have been? Uh, you know, when, when, when threes are just raining down from every angle in the arena, it was, it was in, incredible to see impossible shots made. Um, and, and the fact that they had a chance to win it almost at the buzzer was uh, one of the, it, it was truly one of the best basketball games that I called, uh, had the privilege of calling. And, uh, and, and, and like I said, it really had every element and I learned so much more about Japan and believe in their system and the way that they play that they will have a legitimate chance at meddling at the Olympics. And Natalia, I mean, as a former player, um, I think probably I am guilty of kind of just saying, well, I did. I I tweeted that that should be a blueprint for the future of the women's game without kind of probably giving the due to uh, Coach Mesta and Coach Hovas about just what kind of technical skill confidence, practice, and all of those elements that go into teams playing such good team ball. The pressure that Belgium handled in Astend was hard, and, and I'm so glad they were able to classify and, and make history. And I think that after the World Cup, we were all kind of expecting for them to do good, especially having Super Emma Messerman, <laughs> and they did deliver. Also, also impressed with Aleman's decisions in the clutch time. I think it speaks highly of her game. On the other hand, uh, Japan, Jesus, Japan, uh, I fell in love with their game and, and how they play, that fast-paced, just having so many ways of, of scoring. You know, their big problem was how they started games because on the third and fourth quarter of every game, they were on fire. The way they shoot that ball from the three-point line might seem irresponsible for the basketball purist. Somehow, this is what works for them, and because they play so fast, it doesn't affect them. And, and looking at, uh, at Japan, I think that that's a style of play that Latin American should think of emulating. But I think due to our the, the level of, of the leagues out here, it's going to be kind of hard. And, you know, because here the players are only active maybe three to four months a year. And, and to play like Japan, yeah. you need to be on that type of shape and, and, and also score that way. And you will probably need to be more active uh, in basketball. But I think that will be, you know, their style of play because we don't have that many tall players. It's, it's something that Latin American uh, should emulate. Well, I, I think this goes back to what I said before about, um, 
you know, you you get a girl come in the gym who I, I don't know, maybe eleven, twelve years old. Um, you know, I, I can't believe that the phrase seems to have crept in the last ten years that oh, she's just a shooter. You know, I don't know if you guys get this sense. Everybody wants to put the ball on the floor because, you know, I'm told, yeah, sure, the players are getting bigger, stronger, quicker. Everybody wants to be a small forward. Everybody want, Every coach wants the well, not every coach, most coaches now, they want the players to do everything. And, you know, this kind of, um, you know, she's just a shooter. Well, you know, so many games in women's basketball, I've looked at the score and it's been, I don't know, 52-45 or something heading into the last quarter and I think I see coaches look down the bench and I think, oh, what those guys would give for a shooter. You know, one of those Japanese um players who shoots the ball with so much quickness, quick release, confidence, miss the first five, but then make the next three or four. Um, you know, I I think that's where it starts though, at youth basketball. I think it's a good point that you make, uh, Natalia, about Puerto Rico having to play that way, maybe develop the game, but I think it's more of a generational thing that it would take quite a long time maybe to kind of, you know, really be able to do that at the top level. Um, but it, it's got to start with shooters, surely. Every shooter who comes into any gym in any country has to be, and they're really good if they're a good shooter, has to have that one outstanding skill above everything else. And obviously, yes, work on other elements of the game. But please don't get them to you know, work nonstop on the dribble and nonstop on whatever else. If they can shoot the ball, take that special talent and make them an amazing shooter. It's the lifeblood of the women's game. And the women's game, in my opinion, has taken its eye completely off the ball with respective shooters um, in the past 10 years. Well, it's not just the shooters and, and developing the skill. I'm with you on board on that and um, and the youth levels and, and allowing them to, to kind of develop that skill as well. But you have to, you have to kind of allow well, – coaches have to allow – shooters to shoot you know there's a, a like i said in that game specifically there's a lot of shots that you know uh team japan took uh in in that game trying to come back it looked like desperate shots but that's the way they play and the confidence that tom hovis gives his team to play that way and 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 allows them that long leash to kind of all right you're 0 for 5 but we hope that the sixth one is going to fall down and then maybe we get two three in a row not every coach has that type of patience. Not every coach has that type of trust. And I'm not just talking about the, the women's level. I'm talking about girls. I'm talking about all the way down to the youth level. Those shots to many coaches are known as bad shots. And you can't, you can't have one without the other. If you want uh, you know, young girls to develop their shooting, they have to be allowed to develop their shooting and have to be allowed to shoot those types of shots in game. Now, Team Japan is obviously an extreme, extreme example of that. But there has to be some sort of middle ground if if we want to see that come to the to the to most seniors of levels. It's not it's not something that's going to happen overnight without a buy in from the coaches who are really in charge of the playing time for a lot of these girls and 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 also the development for a lot of these girls. Carlin, uh, I wanted to ask you because I follow Kia's career in in Connecticut and she was great, but. Do you remember her being as confident and, and scareless in her offense? Yeah, I mean, it, it's also development. It's credit to her and, and the development of, uh, you know, her, her ability to kind of grow 
and develop that part of her game. And that's that's kind of what's going to keep her along around a long time at the highest levels. Uh, you know, her first year at the WNBA level as a rookie, she shot under 30 percent from three point range. Uh, you know, that's not good enough. That's not good enough at any level. And, you know, her second year became an all-star. She was 35%. That's a huge jump to make in one year, also taking more three-pointers, uh, you know, per game. So th- that's the way the game is going at every level. You know, whether you talk about men's or women's basketball, you, you have to be able to to make a jump shot nowadays. And, uh, it, you know, Paul, Paul pointed it out that shooting skill may have been lost in, in years past, but I, I think – you know we're gonna to have to start to see that come back into the game, and uh, but again, it doesn't come without coaches putting in a system in place to allow uh, these women to shoot the basketball and and make mistakes while they're shooting because some some bad shots nowadays are going in. So uh, you know when we when you, us three grew up, it was get the ball into the paint and figure it out later. Now it's you know uh, you take the best shot available, and the best shot of best shot available is. Or the best shot that the numbers say is a layup or a three. Had you guys seen much of uh, Julia Lamont before kind of Ostend? I mean, um, obviously she's uh, signed there. Uh, it was Indiana Fever, I know, for the WNBA. I mean, do you think she's got what it takes to kind of... I, I know what, I, what I've seen, you know, the, the WNBA that I've seen, obviously, I think the highest league in the world, there's no doubt about that. And I, I always think for any player, obviously the playmaking spot, I think in basketball naturally is the you know the most uh, difficult to maybe persuade coaches to get a lot of minutes. Do you think she'll be a hit? Miss Julie Allemand, uh, she's only 23 and she's been representing Belgium for a long time in younger categories. Judy was great handling the pressure in Austin and, and making baskets in clutch time. I think I think she will have no problems adjusting to the WNBA. And I think the FIBA tournaments have given her the, the experience, you know, to handle pressure, which is very important because she, she has the talent and many players are talented, but can everybody handle pressure? Uh, the answer is no, and Julie can. So I think she will be just fine. She was she was the best player. She's the second best player on the team after Emma Messiman. And I think uh, what, what Natalia said was absolutely right. She she wasn't afraid, and that's that's the biggest thing. Uh, I think that you know confidence goes a long way. You know she she could obviously play. She has the skill to to do it. Uh, but to have the confidence to believe that she belongs on the floor of some of the world's best, she absolutely showed that. And there was a lot of pressure. I don't think people realize how much pressure was on those women. Uh, you know at home and Ostend. You felt it every time there was a missed jump shot. You felt the rim getting smaller and smaller for them, and it, it wasn't up until she decided to say, "All right, jump on my back, let's 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 roll." That the rest of the team started going. She may not have to have that much, you know, of, of responsibilities at the WNBA level, but she showed that she can absolutely handle that, um, you know, with the, with the stakes on the line. So for me, I think she's going to a great place in Indiana. I think she's going to be. Uh, she's going to be playing with Natalie Ochanwa, who was, you know, a, a great player that she was going up against uh, at that level. And, you know, in that situation, uh, a team like uh, Indiana that didn't didn't win much last year, uh, I think I think she's a perfect spark plug that can, you know, 
uh, really boost their confidence. And if, if, if she's in a place where she's coming off the bench for them, I think that's a, a nice role for her and, and, and really spark and, and bring some energy getting to the rim. Yeah, and I, I think it's important for her confidence seeing uh, Emma Messerman obviously winning last year and Kim Mesta also. And, uh, you know, I followed uh, Julie from when she was kind of a youth player, then she got drafted. People wondered why she got drafted. You know, I mean, it you know, wasn't very high up, obviously, but then she got a bad injury. And then I think you hit the nail on the head there, Colin, when you said about, you know, needing to be not afraid and to be aggressive because she's definitely got the game. Um, maybe she's been a little bit up and down in EuroLeague women, but of late, when uh, Lyon have played really well, she's obviously played well along with it. And, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how she does in, in, in that playmaking spot. Okay, so let's move along. Um, oh, actually, one quick thing I just wanted to ask you about was uh, I thought um, Coach Tom of Japan just done, you know, such a good job um, in terms of the off-court stuff as well as the on-court stuff. Colin, do you want to just give people who may not have seen that a little bit of insight really interesting guy the way he translated and obviously we had that moment when he translated japanese in the japanese which was which was great <laughs> i do that all the time i'm terrible i have no switch okay the first thing <laughs> Any insights? You were sat alongside him, obviously, three times, Colin. I think he's probably the perfect coach, uh, not just for the program, but for a program that's about to host the local Olympic Games, um, if it does happen. He's he's fluent in Japanese, flew obviously an American-born, so he can speak English well and deal with the rest of the media. But the way that he answers questions, uh, he understands that you, you give him, and, and the media, we can obviously say that we don't always ask the most uh, intelligent questions. We don't also ask the most in-depth questions. A lot of the times, it's more of a statement than us asking a question. And the way that he was able to to not just take that, but spit back out the information that and 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 openly, he wasn't trying to protect anything. Uh, what he saw on the floor, he was able to relay that back into the press conference. And I think that's going to help uh, many who you know who don't follow the game of basketball. Period. Uh, and, and uh, you know, in a setting like the Olympics, where you know you have a ton of broadcasters, he has a chance to become a, a real star and a real pioneer and uh, a real advocate for for the game. Um, and and the fact that he's fluent in Japanese, he's going to be able to speak for uh, on, on behalf of his players as well. And and there's some players that are going to be there are going to be massive stars in the country just based off of the, the two weeks that hap- that the Olympic Games happen for when they do happen. So. I'm uh, I'm a big fan of Coach Tom. I, I think he's I think he's great. I think his system's obviously uh, you know fan friendly, but also uh, you know him not holding back. And even at the, not just at the press conference, the uh, the you know halftime interviews that he was giving, I, you don't hear coaches like that give give information about what they said in the locker room, what they're looking for, all those things. He wasn't afraid to do that, I, I, and you got to commend him for that. And hopefully. Uh, you know, I know not every coach is going to do that and be as open and honest as he is, but it, it just makes for uh, you know a better education point uh, for for fans who are still trying to understand the game. Natalia, what did you think of? I, I assume it was the first time you kind of seen Tom up close. What what did you make of him? 
If Tom ever becomes a spokesperson for anything, I will be the first one in line to listen to him. He's so brilliant and he's very clever on his comments and, and how he delivers and handles himself. I love every answer that he gave to a friend, Chloe. He will tell you like it is, but with grace. And in many countries, uh, sometimes try to look for coaches for other countries to bring something different and it makes sense. But I think it's also important for those coaches to, to understand their culture and, and, and he does. Japan is very blessed to have him as, as their coach. guess we have to turn and I've left it until last to the C word um, coronavirus or COVID-19 um, me and Colin were just just speaking before we started the podcast um, an incredible situation really um, Colin what do you what do you what do you think of the effect it's had on, on not just the women's game but sport and you know, if you want to go more deeply society, but uh, what, what's your take? Well, well, I, I, to be honest with you, I, uh, I, 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 I miss sports just like every other sports fan out there. Uh, but I understand why we're we're kind of at a screeching halt across the board, and and hopefully this helps curve this thing worldwide. I, I don't have um, enough information about you know you know when we'll get back to business or whatnot. But I will say this: it's it's, uh, it's looking likely that we may not have Olympic Games. Um, it, from my in my opinion, is my own personal opinion. Um, and if we don't, I think we're we're going to miss an opportunity. And we were shaping up as we're talking about the women's basketball podcast. We we're shaping up for probably the most competitive uh, women's basketball tournament ever. Um, when you talk about some of the best teams in the world, uh, the, the 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 kind of um, teams that they're they're going to be able to put together talent wise. You wrote, like you said, you wrote the article, and you really have six or seven teams that <laughs> one loss here or there, one point here or there can mean the difference between them standing on the podium, them not. And then you have a bunch of teams, and Puerto Rico's a perfect example of it. Yes, it's their first Olympic Games; they're going to be there, uh, but they're just not showing up to wave their flag. Like they're they're coming to compete uh, at the highest level. So I, I really. I was looking forward to it, um, and I, I'm kind of disappointed that we might not be able to see it for uh, for for another who knows how long. Natalia, for you, the very thought, I guess, of where Puerto Rico not going to that maiden first ever Olympics would be such a crushing blow. It will be very sad if Tokyo gets cancelled, but you know this goes this coronavirus situation goes beyond sports. This is the first time Puerto Rico will play in the Olympics in women's basketball, and we were all very excited. Hopefully, if the Olympics get canceled, they will do kind of a tournament later on with these teams that classify. You know, it's hard, it's sad, but it's not the end of the world. And, and if anyone knows how to handle tough situations, are the athletes. And, and hopefully, with the help of every citizen in the world, this virus will go away. But if Tokyo gets canceled, everybody just got to... You know, keep looking ahead because right now the health of the world should be the number one priority. Yeah, amen to that. I think uh, for me it's been, um, I don't know how I can phrase this as politely as I can, but it's its its made me see some really great things in people. Um, and, I, and, and I am talking even within the women's basketball world, but unfortunately there's been a small number of particularly some players who... I just I know it puts a lot of pressure on. I know it's um, 
you know, some players may be in a, a small bubble, but I just can't believe some of the reactions. I mean, it, it's such an unprecedented situation where, as far as I'm concerned, there's only a few facts, and one fact is that everybody, and I mean just about everybody, will lose out either financially, um, will lose out in terms of their enjoyment of sport or basketball or something, and I just think some, you know, some of the reactions that people have had, things I've heard, um, it, it's just, you know, it, it's incredible to think um, that, you know, there's, there's, there's people out there who just don't get um, just how much some people are going to suffer. And uh, like I say, we have to remember, I think there's some great, great things happening. I've heard good things about clubs who've, you know, got players out quickly from Europe back to the States etc etc but uh i think you're right colin i think we're in for the long haul i I see them waiting as long as they possibly can but i mean if there is any chance that you know this thing you know i just don't want them to take chances we need to worry about you know just society it's you know sports is great and all but let's just all be humans first we can be sports fans later uh you know it's sports aren't going away uh so let's just relax and uh and hopefully this thing curves uh, in time for the Olympics, but if it doesn't, not the end of the world, we'll have more Olympic Games. Thank you for listening to the Women's Basketball Worldwide Podcast.